This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning, and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live. It's day four on day three, and boy, you picked a hell of a day to have day three or day four on day three, Frank, because it is going down in the world of professional bass fishing right now. Well, we need to uh, discuss that, I'm sure. Because you down you down for a little little bass fishing industry discussion right off the hopper? Absolutely. One hundred percent down for it. And then we're gonna get into bass fishing and anything else we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 how, how it was. Uh this is uh bass. This is okay. Here's how we're gonna get into this. Uh last night, yesterday, MLF. Okay, there's a mixture of this is all we know officially right here. This is the press release, the news release that MLF dropped last night. Now, I have I had to kind of clean this up because as I was copying and pasting the article into Word so I could print it out, I accidentally got Brandon Coulter how to fish a whopper plopper mixed in. So it'll be like all this <laughs> stuff. And then, and then there'll be a sentence that's just like, there are certain baits that elicit a reaction, Coulter said. Sometimes pass it. I'm like, wait a second, what does this have to do? And I realized I'd mixed up two articles together. Um. But they came out with some major changes. MLF yesterday, there had been uh, rumblings of a a all-hands-on-deck anglers meeting uh, that I believe was supposed to be today. But because of the grumblings and rumors got moved up to yesterday, they kicked off yesterday with an employees, all-hands-on-deck employees MLF meeting where I guess they kind of laid out to those guys what was going to go down in 24, 25 uh, and beyond. And then they had an anglers meeting uh, yesterday afternoon that consisted of all of the uh, available BPT anglers uh, and incoming uh, MLF Bass Pro Tour anglers. The I think eight that are coming on from or eight or nine that are coming on from the Tackle Warehouse Invitationals. And there are some major changes, Frank. Let's do them. Let's go through. Uh, first of all, the the bombshell news would be that in 2025, MLF is planning on chopping 30 anglers out of the uh, Bass Pro Tour. They're wanting to reduce the field to the top 50 anglers. Remember it, okay, it was 80 anglers uh, when this thing started. Some were handpicked. Uh, oh, I guess they were all handpicked because there was really no qualifying because right. it was a brand new league. Right. Um, they are wanting to take, or they're going to take the top 35 lifetime average. So that would be the uh, 20, 21, 22, 23 and 24 seasons. So out of the five years, I think they might even get to drop one of their worst ones. Then they're going to take the top 10 in the standings after that. 
So then there's your 45 anglers. So if you're not in the top 35 in the lifetime average, if you're one of the top 10 anglers after that, then you get on and then five anglers from the invitationals. Uh, so that would be 50 anglers. This is, uh, this is problematic specifically for those making the BPT in 2024. Some of which are friends of the show, some of which you've, you know, uh, have heard about, but we're talking Keith, the, well, I can pull the list up, but there's eight of those guys. They get one year and their top 35 average doesn't apply in that year. Right. So they're literally fighting for 10 spots. Um, they were supposed to be an angler friendly association. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, we're just at the tip of the iceberg here on what we're doing here, Frank. So then we'll, <laughs> right. <laughs> but was, I just, I, it was my yeah, only So comment. basically there, what, what we're saying is, um, and granted some of these guys who are going to get cut in 25 probably came over, uh, after, I mean, there's a lot of anglers that have come over after the BASS and a MLF split, but you're going to have a large number of anglers that are now cut from the bpt in 2025 that came over right to the land of milk and honey with all these promises in 2019 when the split happened and just five years later they're out of it because they're cutting it down to 50 right which is kind of bs if you're making trying to make a career out of this um you're getting the rug pulled out from your yeah well that they actually go into and now we're mixing some some uh a little bit of the behind the scenes things and, and the press release. We'll stick right to the press release though. Um, Boyd Duckett, president and CEO, his quote is the future of our sport is live streaming catch way, immediate release and every fish counts. That's right. Returning in 2024 back to every fish counts. Okay. The reason they, they did every fish counts, then they went to every fish counts with variable weight. Last year was the first year they went to best five. You still catch them all. You still see them all. You still throw them all on the board. They are now returning to every fish counts. I Here's what they had to say about that. Scoring on the Bass Pro Tour returned to every fish counts format in 2024 after scoring each angler's five biggest per day in 2023. The change will recapture the excitement and pressure of the tour's original format, which I would remind you they changed in right because 2023 because it was uh there was they were uh, lacking the excitement and pressure that they thought it would bring to the format, but they're returning to it. We responded to 2020. We responded in 2023 to fans and anglers that wanted to see five fish, how five fish scoring would work with our score tracker live leaderboard. It'd work just like it did since it's the beginning of tournament time. Uh, since they went to five, it was actually 15, then nine, then seven. It's It's been variable. Said MLF executive vice president. Uh, unfortunately, viewership growth was stagnant. The Pro Tour thrives on intense competition and the scoring change affected the Tour's competitiveness in an unexpected way. 
By reinstating every fish count scoring structure and having few anglers in the knockout rounds, pros will no longer be able to let their guard down without risk being overtaken or someone climbing the score tracker. I don't even know how to respond to that. Yeah, I don't. I I don't either. Um, I I I have no. You know, I don't know. And so here's what I did. I reached out to some BPT anglers, a wide variety of BPT anglers over the past 24 hours. They were not, from what I have been told, uh, incredibly instrumental in any of this or ask about it or here's the word. I, I, I asked one word. I said to all these anglers, I said, if you had one word to describe and these are current, these are. I talked to people across the entire board, right? right? Right. Journeymen, new guys, everything. Top of the food chain. One word that they used, (laughs) but bottom of the food chain, I did. I actually, one word that I, that I, uh, that was very common was the word frustrated. Well, of course it is because here, look, if you're, if you're in it to, if you're in it to make a living at it, to become a pro, and everything changes all the time. There's no status quo. Okay. So now what was the rules isn't the rules. What was the, the, the breakdown isn't the breakdown. You can't, how do you formulate anything that way? And then you're, it, and you're throwing 30 guys out the window. This is in 25. So the, what, what we're doing here, the every fish counts is in 24. So 24 is this last year is kind of the last year for all this stuff. Um, they tweaked the, the format in 2024, 40 anglers in group A, 40 anglers in group B, but then only the top 10 anglers from each group instead of 20 anglers based on their two-day weights advanced to the knockout round. So there's only 20 anglers instead of 40 in the knockout round. Uh, weights are zeroed for the knockout, uh, and then the top 10 anglers advanced to the championship. So there's less anglers that make the uh, that make the knockout round, and then uh, television, the MLF now live stream. So this is interesting. It's it, the, the the label here is titled MM, MLF now live stream expansion. MLF is adding nearly twenty percent to its live stream offerings in 2024. That's great, right? 20% increase, more live fishing, more guys on camera. However, they are cutting the days for the BPT. They're not showing the first two rounds for the seven events, so they're cutting like 14 days out of the BPT. They're only showing the the final round of the opening rounds and then the knockout in the finals, and they're adding 25 days of team coverage. Yeah, so... <laughs> So it hey, sounds, and, and then they're adding one day of college, one day of all American and one day of Toyota series or Toyota series, I think. Yeah. Well, seems to me like they don't have it figured out. They got something figured out. Now, listen, I also understand. And I called Mark up about this and I said, talk to me about this, Mark, from a business standpoint, right? Because Mark has always been good. Jeffries has right. always been good with the business side of it. And he's like, man, sometimes you have to do what you have to do to make things work. And it, you know you're not going to make everybody happy. You know, that type. He kind of rock, walked me through how some of the stuff works. So, listen, for me talking, I understand how MLF has to say, hey, this is what we have to do to remain at the top of the game, to remain viable. I know this isn't great, but uh, there's 
I believe that they. I'm not even going to get into that now. No, nah, we'll don't. just let, we'll just leave it like that at the uh, at the uh, press release. I yeah, I mean, I mean, at the at the end of the day, they're going to do what's in the best interest of their sponsors. Yes, that's, that's and I think much. that that is. I I will say this based on the the anglers that I've spoken with, it was they as a whole were surprised at. And listen, I didn't talk to all of them, obviously, but I tried to right. get a good swath over the last twenty four hours. They were surprised at the lack of input in the new press release that the anglers had. I wouldn't, I mean, like I said, frustrated was the word, especially right. when this was a by anglers for anglers. When you look back at, if you go back and it doesn't take that long to find a Google search of some of the key principles and components in 2019 and 2020, when this thing was launched, as opposed to what we just had in the press release from MLF, there's some drastic differences, but it's also business. Right. And, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find out how well it's going to work or how well it's not going to work. Um, they're going to do what they have to, and then the cards will fall where they fall. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you, the angler has a choice. There's more than one trail. So the anglers have a choice. And if the anglers don't like it, they'll leave. If they do like it, they'll stay and then yep. they'll see what happens. And there's some, uh, there's some paying tweaks. Uh, there's, there's some behind the scenes, uh, changes, uh, that are taking place. Uh, there's some social media and media and optics tweaking that's going on. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah. So Monday, Monday, uh, October 23rd. Uh, I'm going to make a call to some of the guys that I didn't talk with to get a few over the last better. 24 hours and see if I can get a few of them on the show. It's really hard right now because a lot of guys are either on uh, a lot of guys are in the woods, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, 100 percent, dude. It's that time of year. It's trophy time. Listen, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want this to come across as a night bash on MLF, but I. It's it's not it's not coming over as a bad. Like I said, I'm I'm just talking about what's on here and what the guys are talking about, and it's not an overly positive response. Well, no, change never is, Matt. I mean, I remember when when the we were going through some changes in Bassmasters, and it was it was tough then mm -hmm. too. Um, you know, it was but Frank. Have, have the anglers too. as a whole ever been happy? Like, if you, I mean, dude, no. we, I mean, I know because I fish the opens and we're yeah. a group of anglers now and we're always bitching behind the scenes. But right. I mean, you've been in this, you've been in it in a different era and stuff. I mean, is this just the world we've always lived in as professional bass anglers? You're going to have well, a big section that's never thrilled with how it's going. Yeah, here at the end of the day, I'm not going to get into all the politics of the game. I was involved heavily into it when I was fishing, um, very heavily into it, um, called into a lot of very highfalutin meetings, mm -hmm. um, with the powers to be voiced my opinion, et cetera, et cetera. So I have opinions. Um, and the answer, the short answer is the anglers are always going to have something to gripe about, uh, because we are the players in a sport. The biggest problem in our sport right now 
um as long as we're going to open a can of worms i might as well open this and dump it all out um (laughs) (laughs) the biggest problem that i have with the sport is um and i was fortunate enough to fish for a long time and pay a lot of bills while i was doing it um we're still fishing for our own money right Uh, and as a professional athlete the professional athlete um we're still paying to play and that's what's got to change that has to change um and when that has and the and when that changes there has to be rules in place to quantify you are a full-time pro um because then then you then you don't have to pay these fees well this is where the big problem comes into play um and the other thing is it would have to be generated solely and totally on sponsor revenue um in order to make that happen and so you when you have a when you have a sporting arena that that you survive by the sponsorship dollars okay you have to keep the sponsors happy and so this is where the big this is where all the issues are so on one end you're going to see a lot of changes taking place in hopes for a better future meaning angler relations and sponsor relations with the organization not anglers individual sponsors but organizational sponsors and so when you look at all this there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle that have to come together and if one piece is missing the puzzle's never complete um so you're always going to have a yin and yang you're always going to have i'm happy i'm not happy um that's just the nature of the sport but but in order for you know there's a few changes that i think and i'm not in the game anymore so i have no nothing to lose mm-hmm. um as a touring professional angler truthfully a true true touring professional angler um you should not have to pay to play the game and as long as we're doing that we're always going to have these issues because nothing is going to be etched in stone because we're always trying to build a better mousetrap anyway that's my two cents for what it's worth i like it uh yeah this this top 50 thing there's a lot of i mean it's gonna put a lot of guys out to pasture frank that's there well, is no well, other there's no other way to say it well well a hundred percent and look i got some things i can nitpick about that but i'm not going to um because because at this point in time it's these changes are new and who knows if it's going to work or not yet but um, but the reality of it is, is that you can't take a third of your field and throw them out. I mean, that's what's happening. Here's here's my theory on this to see if this makes sense. So the, depending on who you're uh, working with in the media department thing, there's two ways you can go about it to 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 me. Professional fishing has always they've used the superstars, but it's always been trying to uh, bring fans and support in with the overall product that is accentuated, highlighted with your superstars, whether that's your KVDs or your Jacob Wheelers or your Edwins or whoever skeets. I mean, go on and on like that. It's always been like that when Ray Scott was calling up Ricky Clun and Bill Dance and all that. But it's always been about the the product as a whole, how it's smooth, how you understand it, you get into everything, and then you've got the superstars. To me, this seems like a shift towards, 
hey, maybe they're going to use their superstars to drive the organization as opposed to enhance the organization. And I say this because of uh, some back-end changes that they have made as when it comes to uh, media and social media and marketing have have ties with uh, UFC and the PBR and the WWE, which if you look at those models have taken human beings and turned them into iconic people. Ronda right. Rousey and Conor McGregor, JB uh, Mooney, Adriana Marias, all of the WWE stars. So they're saying, hey, we know that there's a bunch more people in this organization, but we're focusing on these guys because these are the guys that are making us money. Does this make sense, Frank? Well, well but yeah, but they do that in every sporting venue. Right, but they're saying, Football, "Hey, baseball, they we've all got too it. many guys with eighty that are wanting a a, a piece of pie. They're wanting a, a a place. They want an at bat, so to speak. So they're yeah, saying, but- hey, if you want to make this work, if you want your super, if you want your stars to become superstars and make you money, they have to be in the forefront at all times. So the way you do that is you cut half of the guys who are not your superstars. No, no, because listen." In every sporting event, the, the the guys that are superstars, they get the commercials, they get they get the notoriety, they they build like you could use the NFL for an example. Um, they take their superstar players and they build off of them. All the other players are important parts of the game, and there's a lot of them, but there's only a handful of the superstars that keep getting all the attention. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with any sport. Baseball's the same way. You, you know, you you get a you get a good pitcher who can speak in front of a camera and he's lights out on the mound and he's going to get the attention. That's just how it goes. But to eliminate to to say we're going to eliminate these players so we could focus on these players is a bunch of BS, dude. It doesn't matter. The, the the superstars are the ones that everybody knows and talks about anyway. So so cutting the field to do that is bullshit. It's just an excuse. Okay, um, so let me ask you this then. I know people are going to, we're 22 minutes in. Bass had the E-50s, the Elite 50s, yeah. exclusive, top lot. Were you fishing during the time of the E-50s? I, I, did, the, I did the top 100s and the top 150s, and then it switched to the Elites. Okay, so when the E-50s were around, and I wasn't covering it, obviously, by then, were there a bunch of invitational pros and stuff that are saying, what the hell? There's this elite group of 50 anglers, and we're not included in it. And I mean, because that's basically what Bass did back in the day. Right, so let me ask you, are they doing it today? No. Right, because it didn't work. Um, you know, here, here, here's, here's the truth of the matter. The superstars in bass fishing were built out of the Bassmaster Classic and the Angler of the Year race. Um, that's where the superstars became superstars. The guys that kept making the classic, the guys that kept doing good in the classics, those were the guys that got their notoriety. Every time you dilute things, it makes it harder to pull some guys to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you have to, 
you you have to have the you have to have the one venue that separates the men from the boys so to speak and that's the classic that's the cup that's those are the the the, the cream of the cream of the events mm-hmm. um when you when you have a team that makes it to the uh, Super Bowl or to the World Series you're separating the cream from the rest of the at least for that season because it's a professional sport so it should have an ebb and flow to it um that's where you build the superstars that's how you build this, the brands C- cutting the players down to a manageable amount of guys so it's easier to film it's easier to cover it's easier whatever is bullshit because we 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 we're playing the game and everybody that qualifies to be either you qualify for the elites qualify for whatever the heck you want to qualify for. When you make that qualification, that's another rung up the ladder. And the next ladder from there is the, 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 the championship or the angler of the year race. And so Mm -hmm. you have these, that's how you build the brands. And then you use those, athletes you use those anglers in your marketing in your advertising look i mean kvd and iconelli did it better than anybody and that's not a slam on anyone they're just the best at it they're the best at it they were marketing and the marketing right they were marketable they they knew what they were doing they can get up and you you Here's, promote within. You don't cut out to to build something. You gotta you you're cutting thirty guys out. How do you know a guy's not having a slump and then he's going to come out of it and, and be the next superstar? You don't know that he he was good enough to qualify to get there in the first place. Uh, here's a quote about it from uh, Boy Duckett: "By focusing on fifty anglers in a more compact event that's easy for both diehard and casual fans alike to follow, will do what other successful leagues have done to grow." This is where I get this my theory from of what they're doing here. Will do what other successful leagues have done to grow. Focus on a small group of the highest performers and make them the most visible personalities in the sport. Yeah, that and then and then I can just tell you for a fact that um, I don't want to say that's propaganda. It will also allow us to enhance what are already the sport's best payouts. So, I mean, he's saying right here, their plan, their goal will do what other successful leagues have done to grow. Focus on a small group of the highest performers and make them the most visible personalities in the sport, which in all honesty is what they're doing when they made an 80 angler bass pro tour in 2020. So name, but, n- I name, mean, three name, short years later, I mean, you're part of that group. You come over to be a part of it. Now you're not, like I said, you're put out to pasture. Yeah. So name me, name me an organization that did that. Uh, UFC. PBR, a lot of the individual deals where you're trying to take something that is a little bit abstract to the casual fan and trying to make them appreciate it. And the easiest way to appreciate it is to be able to latch on to one person and, and, and understand their greatness. And that brings you back, not because you want to know who wins the PBR in Houston, but because you want to see how that one bull rider who, you know, 
always stays on the bull does or you don't follow the UFC and don't care what the rankings are, but you want to watch Conor McGregor fight every week. So you try to do the same thing in fishing where, you know, hey, you, you may not follow the BPT and who's making red crest and who's in the cut and blah, blah, blah. But you want to watch Jacob Wheeler kick people's ass. Yeah, except if you don't like fishing and you don't follow fishing, you don't give a shit. So anyway, that's anyway. like I said, this is all just a discussion. Yeah, this I know. is a show I, it, that is based on a discussion. We've done a show every single, basically every single day of the week for the past 20 years. We navigated through uh, with Mark at the helm through the split for Bass and Major League Fishing. There's going to be stuff said that people don't like on both sides of it opinion-based show and uh like i said i want to try to be fair and give uh, I'll, I'll reach out to mlf have them on i'm yeah. gonna have a panel try to have a group of guys from mlf on but uh i mean any anything you want to do to wrap up when I mean, we were half an hour into the show but like i said this is what happens when you switch day four to day three because we have a bunch of shows coming up we have bed millican tonight 8 30 p.m central time going to talk about qualifying for the elite series and then tomorrow big announcement from afco and sunline we have casey shed uh from afco on and dave rush from outdoor brands team so yeah i got it you know hats off to you, the elite qualifiers this year good job guys good job out of ben um he's a good dude good fisherman it'll be it'll be fun to watch it'll be i'm fun glad to, to have watch. you on here We've never had a. Oh, I guess you have had a show like this a little bit, but usually it's just straight up techniques, which yeah. we're actually going to get into in this show. We can't have we, two shows that get totally derailed. We'll get into it. <laughs> okay. Before we do, all right. Let's clear. Let's clear the. Let's take that and let's toss that down there. All right. Let's turn so, the page here. But turn the page. Oh, money, Court made dude. that last night. That's the Frank Scalish BTL Halloween pumpkin. Oh, dude, that is. Fantastic. You should see this thing lit up. That's you right there, loaded to the cork. Same logo. See that? Look at how perfect that is. She has skills, man. She has skills. Yeah. So here's here's my deal, Frank. Uh, do we have any like lure net stuff that we could give away? Because it is only October 18th, and I'm thinking. If you're tag, if you can tag me and Frank on Instagram, do uh, just just do do it. Are you going to talk in pumpkin carving? Yes, I want to. I want to. Yes. Uh, best BTL fishing Frank Scalish pumpkin carving competition, and the winner gets a, a set or a, a specific lure or something. Yeah, I'll make it happen. That? I'll make it happen. Yeah, let's do that. That's that's yeah, bad. I'll make it happen, dude. Okay. Something, something, some autograph lure or something that you can send to the winning listener and we'll decide it on the show. But you have to tag, you know, at Frank Scalish and Matt Pangrek on Instagram. Yeah, or to and and tag LureNet too. Yes, let's, and tag LureNet. Let's let LureNet get bombarded with beautiful. Yes, but I'm just saying. So, that, I mean, that one, Courtney did such a great job on that. She's like, are you going to help? And I was like, hell no, that's like intricate. And she's really good at that. I did the, uh, I did the pumpkin seeds. Good for you. Uh, toasted the pumpkin seeds and salted them for the, uh, uh... no cinnamon sugar. Oh, all right, cinnamon sugar. Yeah. I'm gonna. Have Here's to the other that. thing that I learned: the head of the pumpkin. Like yeah. I always just cut it in in a circle on the no. top. Look, little notch right there. Yeah. If you cut a notch out, then the notch corresponds with that. You always know which direction the hat goes on. Yeah. Well, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that I knew that. 
from a long time ago. <laughs> I think we got through that first segment, don't you? Am I going to get oh, any email for that first segment? Well, I don't know about you, but I'll get it. I'll get it. But I, I got, I'm just, I'm all about the angler. Um, but I understand that no money, no, no game. So it's, yeah. it's no gotta lead, be a, no. <laughs> right. No it's lead, gotta no be money. a happy, it's gotta be a happy mix between all involved. And, um, and the last statement I'm going to have on that is, you know, if you put five people in a room and try to get the same answer out of all five, it's probably never going to happen. So anyway, enough said. Uh, hey, you he, sent me he, some crazy pictures last night. That sounded yeah. really bad. That sounded really bad. Yeah, <laughs> that sounded horrible, dude. <laughs> You, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was really cool. Thanks for that one, buddy. Um, yeah, <laughs> Matt's dying over there. <laughs> oh, I'm literally sweating. Look at how red my face is now. That's fabulous. No, yeah, I, I, you guys, I, we're gonna talk fishing, and we're gonna get in detail, and. <sighs> And um, I'll make it fit to whatever time we have left. And if we run over a minute or two, who cares? Yeah. But um, so I have been, I've been literally like, you know, Geppetto or the Dunkin' Donut guy. I have been painting and creating like a madman. Um, I've ha we have so much cool stuff about to come out. Um, and I haven't had a lot of opportunity to hit the water. So I, in the last probably eight days, I actually got out three times. One time was to film a video, which is, uh, it's a fat boy video, but it's not so much a, a, a fishing video. It's a lot of what this bait actually can do um, and what it comes through and, and how to fish it properly, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that, that day started out fantastic. Then I got to go and just go for fun for myself, bass fishing. And I, our fall, we're going to, and we're, we're going to get into fall. Our fall here up North is a little farther ahead. The farther South you go, the farther behind you are from us. So I had a hunch that, um, this particular place I went square building and flipping was going to be the deal as a backup. I put on some covert spinner baits and some other extraneous stuff, just in case conditions weren't exactly what I thought. And, and I, and I went fishing and it turned out to be exactly what I thought it was going to be. I, I literally, uh, there's an old bait called a bomber square, a, um, and I'm an idiot because I, I have some and I didn't bring them up here. They're in the basement. Um, that when I started fishing the elites, this little square bill paid dividends for me when others weren't working out very well. And so I have some new colors in the, in the, the next gen colors in the, in the bomber square a they're out now on lure net blah 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 anyhow there's a color electric shad that i was really fond of when i made it and i have been i've been catching them on the fat free series with that color 
Um, and so I said, I got to try, I got to see if this square A is going to work in this car, uh, dude. It was one of the best fishing days I've had in a long time. For 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 one, I got to actually target fish and, and fish cover instead of structure all the time. I got to go up tight and fish cover and and I put the smack down on them, dude. It was a June bug lizard in the square A all day long. And <laughs> I had this one um struck this one cover element. I caught four off the same basically the same leaner i caught four off the same leaner and it was and that's how it was the whole day if i caught one on the square bill i'd go back with the lizard and catch another one and it mm -hmm. was just like that the whole day by the end I, in fact i didn't even wind up fishing the whole day i i left at three o'clock and and i left catching the crap out of them um so it was just so much fun and then and then yesterday yesterday matt i i gotta i'm gonna have to thank matt for this one um when i went down and everybody knows the crappie we caught when i went down in january to see matt w what did we fish matt really in total a, a day and a half in total yeah yeah okay so i saw enough <laughs> i saw enough and learned enough in that day and a half to advance you know to take that to my i went crappie fishing yesterday holy moly dude me, me and the dude i went with we probably caught 80 of them now when when we talk about this crappie thing and i and i'm not this ain't about crappie because we're going to get into bass in a minute but when i when i when we do this crappie thing matt always says you got to let the big ones go and you got to be you got to be conscious because we could do some we could do some damage. Um, that is an understatement because <laughs> because I wound up taking a dozen crappie home, and honestly, I could have taken seventy. I mean, they were all nice fish. I I wound up saying I'm going to go twelve to fifteen inches and everything else whether it's bigger or smaller goes back and so that's what that's what we did it was a it was an unbelievable day i mean that's and that's just you know that's part of the 12 i brought home those are the pictures that frank was sending me last night folks thank you for clarifying that <laughs> <laughs> thanks for clarifying that that was really good and then uh so now let's i mean so I have to thank Matt for that because um, I get very excited every time I learn something new in the fishing game and whether it's for bass or whatever species, um, anytime I learn something new, it excites me because I've got something else I can dive into. Um, and so now I'm, now I'm actually, I'm designing something for Bobby Garland. <laughs> for crop oh nice yeah it's so cool um and i've been catching all my fish using that in in my game plan um recently all my crappie on it and it is deadly it's wait is did you post it on your instagram uh it's not uh you can no i did not give you a good visual on exactly. i think you did i did but it's not it's not clean it's not clean. okay i won't say it then i made sure it was not decipherable <laughs> 
Is it? I think it is what I think it is. It's probably exactly what you think it is. So yes, two elements in the bait. That's that's also correct. Okay. Ooh, Sweet. my phone's ringing. I could be fired Uh-oh. at this moment. <laughs> what, what do you mean you were fishing the other day? Let's just see. Can oh, I? I thought, what do you mean you, had, you gave an opinion on that BPT? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's no, it's not that at all. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like that with my phone for a minute too. <laughs> that's no, we, I think we so need anyway, to talk so, about so now fishing. so let's yeah let's get to bassin so um the the dd22 colors are out right now on LureNet. um capital btl 23 is good for the discount for the fat boys the dd22s and now yeah. um they put they put the norman nxs out in mountain dew which is a fabulous color especially when the water is almost clear and and not super clear but not real dirty it's a really good color uh check those out um (laughs) lure net uh yeah that's that's a fabulous you know that's 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 really like um the bandit root beer chartreuse color um only on the on the nxs we didn't put a lot of green flake on it it's very sporadic so in the clearer water it still translates really really well they got a video um, on this. They gotta have a video on this. I don't know if they do or don't. I like the videos. I'm a big fan of the videos. Well, speaking about videos, my Fat Boy video is gonna release today. So you'll be able to see the Fat Boy in action. <clears throat> yeah. That'll be on the uh Lure Net YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's exactly what you're talking about. Right. So, so it's not a heavily flaked bait, which I I like. Um, there are times for it and times not for it, and so and and that NXS is a hard diving plug. We talked about it a million times. Yep. So should we talk fall fishing? Let's talk fall fishing, Frank. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> is that is that an alliteration? <laughs> no, no, we're going to talk the season fall fishing yeah an alliteration is a repetition of usually initial consonant sounds in two or more neighboring words all right fall fishing frank there like you that's go. an alliteration okay i learned right. something new every day yeah well my mom was an english teacher for 40 years so god bless you my child <laughs> yeah i kind of kind of had to learn that stuff frank my mom was Italian, so I learned how to talk with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're having a great show today. I swear to God, we better get into this really quickly. How many are we up to? 137? I think it might be our last. Is that a secret? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We're it getting cut be. to the top 50 after this. Just yeah, the top after 50. this, we got to make sure we make the grade. But we have enough. We have enough to uh, average out. I think we have enough shows to average out. <laughs> so we'll be okay. We're going to be all right, guys. So anyhow, so sh- do you have any questions, Matt? Do you have anything? No, no, God, no. Just talk for half an hour. I don't need to say anything else. All right. Well, you interject when you need to interject. Okay. So dur- in the fall, you- early fall is a really tough, tough proposition when it comes to getting these fish because 
everything is predicated on two things, bait fish and river channels. Everything is predicated on that. So when I say river channels, that could mean main river channels, secondary river channels, drains, um, old creeks, et cetera, et cetera. So what I like to do in the beginning of fall is I'll pick a section. First, I'm going to pick a section on the main lake that has everything I want it to have, but it's not creek related. It's main lake related. Um, If you go back to a lot of the past shows, which I'm not going to get into now, you know that there's a there's a faction of bass that lives and spends its entire life on the main lake. There's a faction of bass that live and spend their entire life in the creeks. And then there's a faction of bass that spend most of their life chasing pelagic bait fish. This is the time where you start to get overlap between the main lake fish and the pelagic runners. Pelagic runners are always on the bait. Main lake fish are always on main lake structure. And when the two converge, you got a bunch of bass in a smaller area. Just to keep it simple. So when I look at a main, when I look at a topographical map, the, here's a trick. Hey, Matt, can you pull up an, a Navionics map? It doesn't matter which lake it is. Just, just pull up a Navionics map. So here's the trick. A lot of guys go, hey, dude, how do you look at a map and figure it out immediately? And, and he, I'm going to tell you the trick right now. So whether you pull the map up on your GPS or you pull the map up on your computer, okay, instead of hyper zooming in on it so you can see every single contour line, back out a couple of clicks So all the tight contour lines start to get black like this here. And they get black on the edges. So you're not seeing the contour super clearly. So then when you you look at the map, you can see the the structural elements better in the form of flats, et cetera. So go to... um, Go to, give me a place that's got a lot of structure in the main lake area. Yeah, just go to, go to um, the big triangle. Scroll down. Yeah, the big triangle in the middle of the white lake. Right there. Scroll up, scroll up. Scroll up real little bit. Stay in the triangle area. Okay, now move the map over to your right so I can see this, the flat, the big blue flat where it says the name of the lake on it okay right there okay so if you if you zoom out okay that up in 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 in. okay right there so you see where all the black lines are and Mm -hmm. and actually this lake it works on this lake to a degree but when you want to look at the flats in the lake okay give me a lake that's got good flats um go to uh go to dale hollow Go to any any go to any other lake than that one, <laughs> or or never mind. You know what? I got them printed out, Matt. I'll just show you my printouts. I can do it on the printout. You 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 can go to Amistad. Amistad's a great lake map for that. But I'll do it on my printout. All right, have at it. All right, so. If you zoom out a little bit and you get all these black lines here, you see how tight they are? They look black in there. 
Yep. You see how all the flats and the tabletops start to stand out real easily. Yep. So yep. this is this is what I look for when I look at a main lake shot when we come into the beginning of fall. And this is about where I'll leave the map on my zoom. I don't really super go real tight into the area till I found the area I like. So this spot here is a very typical main lake spot that I would go immediately first to. And here's why. Because if you look, you've got all these channels that run right into the bank in some capacity. All right. And so what happens is as the fish are out here on the big balls of bait, as these bait fish start to gravitate, the bass can start relating to the structural elements for ambush points or the balls of bait will suspend right over the middle of these little channels and the bass get underneath the balls of shad until they're ready to get to the shallower cover. So basically I'm going to follow, I'm following these fish in from the main lake to the main lake bank, but I got to pick, you have to pick a bank that has a lot of these channels in them because bass use these ridge lines as roads. Bass don't just randomly go from point A to point B. They actually use migration routes to get into these areas. And so that's what you're going to look for on the main lake. Now, what happens is, you know, you're going to have, I always like to have a lot of structural elements in the forms of flats, tabletops, et cetera. And then what you want to realize is that this is where you're going to get your overlap in this area right here is going to be your main lake residence and your pelagic overlap right here. That's the whole, this is the whole key area. Now baits, baits in these areas. I mean, it's typical. You're chasing shad. You're following the shad. Demiki rigs, flutter spoons, um, you know, football jigs, Carolina rigs, crankbaits. As these bass start to get up into these regions up in here, now you're going to go to square bills, rattle baits, chatter baits, top waters, etc. So your bait choices change as these fish start to move in here. This is the time of year where, honestly drives me crazy because i have 15 rods on the deck of my boat and i can't i can't stand to fish like that i like to be i like to be a little bit more um honed in but you see how when matt blows out on this lake right here do you see how this, this is honest, do you see how the structure stands out like like crazy like if you go to go to go left of the dam matt go to the flat Cross the lake left of the dam. Go to the other side of the lake. There you go. Look at look at how the look at how all that stuff starts to stand out. It stands out like a sore thumb. If you blow in super tight, you miss a lot. You might miss a, a channel split or something to that nature. So when I first look at the map, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to zoom out just enough where I could where the tight contour lines turn black and then everything starts to stand out a little bit better for you so so now let's go now we're going to transition from we're going to start to go to creek mouth areas so in creek mouth areas this is a this is a unique thing um 
because this plays differently on different lakes, but for the most part, what I want to do, the first staging areas that the bass are going to use are going to be the creek mounts. They don't just immediately go all the way to the end of them. The first part they're going to stage on is the creek mouth. So, so in this particular one, this being the creek up mm -hmm. in here, this being the main mm -hmm. lake, you see we have a nice bluff wall, nice bluff end. And then as these fish migrate into here, you're going to start to see your defined channels. So this, something like this will be the first area they're going to stage in is something like this. The thing that I like about this is it's, it flattens out. It's got flat spots on it. The flat spots hold much, much more bass than a steep break. The flatter spots, as you come up to your transition and it flattens out, I'll call those tabletops as it flattens out and then goes to the next next structural element. Those tabletops get a, a lot more bass on them, and usually they're feeding when they're on them. Um, it's a very good high percentage spot. So is that something you're going to want to check multiple times if you know you have a productive one over the course of the day because they'll be slid off if they're not yeah. feeding when they are feeding and have something pushed off. So it's like if you're in the area, stop by, check, see if it's going down. Right, because they could suspend out here in the trough, in the ditch. They could suspend out here. And then as the wind wind changes, if the wind's blowing in, the plankton goes in, the bait fish are plankton eaters, so the bait fish follow the plankton in. Um, one common thing I hear all the time is, oh, the wind blew the bait back there. Wind does not blow fish anywhere unless it's a hurricane and they're <laughs> blown up. Sucking them up and dropping them right. in your yard. 100%. Which, dude, that happened to me at my old house on Lake Erie. With, I think you've told that story one time before, but I don't remember it. Yeah, it was raining shad in my yard. But anyhow, so so the bait fish eat plankton. Plankton is moved via wind and current. So as the plankton moves, the bait fish go with it because that's what they eat, and the bass follow them all in. So that's 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 the common thread here. Um what makes what makes bluff ends and areas like this good is wood um wood and debris makes this stuff better because now it's got they got something they can hold on to they got something they can ambush from that that turns out to be better bait choices for this kind of stuff typical same thing top waters football jigs cranks Demikis, flutter spoons, depending on where the bass are in relationship to this. Um, if I'm fishing the bluff end, I really like to fish jigs on bluff ends and even shaky heads on, on bluff ends. Um, depending on what kind of stuff is mm -hmm. right on the corner, mm -hmm. where the bluff corners out, I, there's other baits that I'll throw there as well. Um, but that's that's a this is a very um, typical. It's a very typical reservoir uh, scenario that you'll run into, especially on a lot of your uh, Tennessee chains and stuff like that, because they'll have bluffy parts, they'll have flat parts and stuff like that. So, so you'll, you know, you'll, you'll see that more there. Now, flatland lakes, probably not so many bluffs, 
but the same principle applies. You're just using the flats and the and the channel breaks for that stuff. Um, once you get inside a creek, we've done the creek breakdown a lot, so I won't belabor it. But take your creek and break it up in three sections: the beginning, the middle, the end. Okay, let's call the beginning of the creek mouth. I'm going to call the beginning the where it, it intersects the main lake, but really, if you're going by the way the water flows, the beginning is all the way in the back. And so we just break it up into three sections, a middle and two ends. So as you go into the creek, you're going to look for the same type of stuff, but in the creek. So now part of the... Um, you know, the part of the thing I'm looking for once I get into the creek is the topography in the creek. I want secondary channels. I want flats and high spots. And so you, if you follow the main, this is actually a secondary channel because the main channel's down here. This is a secondary channel that splits up. You see you've got flats and high spots on both sides of this thing all the way up into the pocket right so yeah. so here's the thing so i looked at this and um i said well this is interesting because we got some man-made stuff going on here too and so with the man-made stuff we've got this roadbed that cuts through here and up the side so when you look at the roadbed this roadbed actually cuts up on the high spot here and on yep. the high spot here these are really good high percentage spots because a lot of times what I've seen in the fall is bass will use the roadbeds and they'll migrate with the roadbeds to get them up where they got to go. And roadbeds are definitely a, a, a key thing I look for in the fall. A tricky thing here is this little gut that comes right in here. Mm -hmm. This gut could go mm -hmm. overlooked by a lot of people, but I have absolutely plastered the bass on the inside corners of these little dead end guts before so you're going to want to look at that now as it's the like bat if you're listening it's like a i guess you describe it as like a cul-de-sac yeah it's, you're right it's a it's, <laughs> it's kind of what it looks like it's a deep ditch that runs in but then it just dead ends it just stops mm -hmm. um they're very high percentage locations they'll get the bait trapped in that kind of use it like a bowl to yeah, they'll run them right to the backs of these things. Yeah. They'll run the bait to the backs. And what happens is then, like a lot of times you'll see surface activity, you know, schooling fish blowing up in areas yeah. like this. Because once they run the bait to the shallows, the only place the bait has to go is up. Yeah, that happened on Watts Bar this year in the open. I got back at the back of a cut and was like, oh, they got them back here and they're out in the middle feeding on them. Oh, yeah, because the only place the bait can go is up. Yep. The surface of the water is like another wall to stop them yeah. from going and, up again. And, Frank, I'm proud to uh, announce that I rode that pattern to eight and a half pounds each day. Outstanding. <laughs> hey, but you know what? You caught fish doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so as we get as we work our way up this pocket, once you get up into the pocket, obviously you're going to look for the – you know, you're going to look for this stuff. You're going to look for stumps, rocks, blowdowns. This becomes real traditional fall fishing. Am I on yep. camera there? Yeah, you're this, perfect. 
this becomes real fall fishing stuff where you've got shallow rocks, blowdowns, stump fields, et cetera, et cetera. And so your typical baits apply here, buzz baits, spooks, square bills, rattle baits, spinner baits, chatter baits, et cetera, et cetera. This is very traditional fall right here. It's the stuff out here that can give you um, concern because you're going to need different baits for out here, um, you know, Carolina rigs, football jigs, crankbaits, et cetera. Now, as the water cools, I'm, I'm going to digress here, but this spot's really good to illustrate this. As the water cools and, and the fish start to pull out, the fantastic wintering hole right here. This is mm -hmm. a fantastic winter spot right here because the bass have everything they need within a tail push. So in the winter, this is what I'm looking for, especially right in here, because this this will hold them all mm -hmm. winter long in here. Anyhow, that's for a different story, different day. Um, an, a very overlooked, very, very overlooked fall pattern that I absolutely love because it's so, so, so simple is bluffs. Um, bluffs are real simple. What I like to look for on a bluff, I call them cave-ins or little tiny short pockets where the runs, the fissures created big trenches in the side of the bluff. Um, this is probably a better illustration of that. However, I hold it, it's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Um, these little cave-ins here are really important. A lot of time there's timber in there there's some trash 100 100 percent this is a real sneaky pattern um and it's very often overlooked but these cuts in the bluffs what matt just said you get a lot of wood that stacks up in these things for two reasons one if you have current pushing down the floating debris gets lodged in these places and then sinks so what happens then is it sinks down in there. The bass use that, and they actually will use it year-round, believe it or not. They'll use it year-round. Um, other examples of small cuts in the sides of the bluffs are these things. Yeah, um, they're, not very, they're not very big. They're probably, you know, a, two boat lengths, three boat lengths deep. Um, here it is right here. This is Fort Gibson going up the river. Here's the channel. This is all bluff. Look at those little cuts. Yeah, see, that's that's those There's are some so, timber in there. That's bluff right there. It's so money. Yeah. Um, and so on uh, your high percentage place on bluffs are going to be the bluff ends. Uh, a bluff end for simple terms is where the bluff will end. Wait a minute, I'm running the wrong map. Duh. Where the bluff will end. These are bluff ends like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a table rock thing too. Yeah, exactly. That actually, actually where I really cut my teeth on it like that. Okay. Bluff ends, very high percentage spot. Um, that's what makes these places special. They get bass, they get bass all the time. I've caught them there in all the seasons, all the seasons I've caught them there. Um, the numbers of fish that you find in these places is going to be predicated on the bait fish, but you can almost always catch a bass out of stuff like that, especially because of what Matt pointed out. The wood, 
the cave-ins from the land, the wood falls in there, it sinks, current and wind will push wood in those things. They gang up, they sink. Um, that was a, a main pattern of mine on Lake Martin that I fished one oh, time. Wow. Um, it was really, it was fantastic. Um, so I, I will say you can almost never overlook that. You have to stop. If you're running down the lake, that's literally a 10 minute fish to see if something's there or not. Um, literally it's a 10 minute fish. Uh, Wheeler and Wilson, I got on the smallmouth doing that one time where I'd just roll up and I'd burn a white spinner bait over the two bluff ends on each sides of the pockets and one right down the middle. So I'd burn the two corners and I'd slow roll a spinnerbait right down the middle. Take of you it. five minutes. And, and dude, and I knew, in I knew in seconds the fish were there because they hammered them on the ends or they caught, I caught them in the middle, slow rolling through all the wood down there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Wheeler has some underrated bluffs on it. I didn't realize oh, how much bluffs dude. there were until I fished that yeah. open this year. Yeah. Wheeler's cool. I mean, it's cool. It has potential. Yes. Unless you spend eight hours a day on one bridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the bridge pays off, then then that's good. Now I got all this paperwork here. I got one last trick. So here's a trick. When all else fails and I can't get fish doing anything else, I got to be careful, but I'm going to say it anyway. Nightcrawler um, on a bobber. Nightcrawler on a bobber, 100%. Um, I go as far back up as I can go. As far back as my boat can possibly go. And usually right where the deep water starts to end is the money spot. Now, you got to keep pressing because there could be other deeper holes that you can't see when you, you know, until you get back there. Yeah. As I'm going up way back up in okay the farther up the creek i get the less important this stuff is and the more important these more steeper structural elements are more important and here steeper doesn't mean a hundred feet deep we could be in seven feet of water and this is a shallow bluff <clears throat> this is where the fish will be they're not going to be out here they're going to be relating to this stuff on the way in this stuff here. Can you see that? Yeah. hundred percent on the way in that stuff going all the way back up a Creek, going all the way back up a river can pay big dividends on lakes that people aren't really doing all that. There's a few lakes like, if you go to Lay Lake, oh, you got to run all the way up to the dam. That's, it's got a dam on both ends. That's not really the river. Um, in the classic on Lay Lake, I found a, a river that was feeding the lake. Mm -hmm. I went all the way up that river as far as I could go and caught them really, really good. Um, the issue I had at the classic, which I didn't take into account, was water level. When I went up that river, the water level was two and a half feet high and the bass were back there and they were giants. When I got there the first day of the tournament, the water had receded. The big bass pulled out. I could never found them. I caught limit after limit after limit of smaller fish, but not enough to do me any good. I think I finished 20th or 21st in that classic, but 
the 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 water came down i stayed up there too long trying to figure out where the bigger bass went and i could never find them again and by the time i bailed on there i didn't have enough time to go to run my other stuff so i made a big mistake in that event but the point being is i was not catching them on the lake with good regularity and went up this river and went as far as i could go and they were there um they they bailed on me three days later obviously um i didn't have a chance to check them the day before and they bailed on me um another place that played a, an important role was on the chesapeake i really just, yeah i was doing everything i can do fishing everything i can fish and not catching any fish so i said i gotta go i gotta get up the river i need current even though it was i think february i gotta get up there and i need big current i need predictability i ran all the way up there and took third i took third in the tournament but i busted my lower unit on the last day and only got to fish for an hour and a half and still made third out of there so it's a place you don't want to overlook um and they're not all created equal, so you'll have to check them out. But it's a, it's a good strategy. When I was a kid, I learned that on the Ohio River. Um, I used to run all the way up these little creeks as far as I can get. Really, like um, the only way to get bit sometimes on the Ohio River, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. But it, the rivers, Ohio River is really a cool place. Um, they're a little ringworm. Yeah, dude. Ringworm mm -hmm. and a black sensation. Remember those? The little chicken footworm. They call them sensations. Salty sensations? Yeah, salty sensation made by no way. Yeah, dude. My buddy dude. Dale turned me on to that when we were kids. The and salty sensation. I, I don't it, even want to Google that. It turned out, yeah, don't Google that. It's gonna you're gonna get bad things. But um, yeah, it's a little chicken foot worm. Um used to be deadly. We I put it on a one eighth ounce slip sinker, which was painful to pitch and flip but it was it was money and that and a little four inch ringworm black and white toledo tackle i believe toledo tackle and then i think mr twister came out with their version mr There's twister in a picture of the dang thing online no nah, dude because the original one was a little funky it had a pointy snoot was fatter by the abdomen and got thinner most of the other ones are typical plastic worm style bodies just with curly tail legs in the middle and a <clears throat> hook tail at you the would end. think there'd be like a picture of someone that was like hey uh, this is cool i'm gonna tell you the truth i still have 20 of those left really yeah they're in my boat now i don't now i i don't even throw i wouldn't even throw them unless i'm in a tournament because um they don't make them anymore the original ones they don't make anymore yeah i don't see it at all yeah you won't it's been discontinued for a bazillion years <clears throat> it's the only thing you can't find on the internet but it was yeah exactly but it but it was cool i mean it was so you know growing up doing that i just translated it into other lakes and whenever i struggled that's what the first thing i did was find the a river i can go all the way to the end you, you know what i'm ready for a good old-fashioned ohio river derby again dude the ohio river is a really cool fishery so so i i grew i literally grew up fishing the northern pools mm -hmm. um for those that live up here east liverpool steubenville etc um but i used to have the hardest time 
competing against the river rats down there. They always kick our butts. So I made a conscious decision one year that any free time I had, I was going to the Ohio River. And so that's what I did. All my free time, if I had free time, down south I went. And I fished every pool from Cincinnati all the way up to Pennsylvania. Um, Every pool. I picked a pool and I learned it. I picked a pool and I learned it. And the irony of the whole thing is I made my first regional fishing the Ohio River of all things. Um, it's a 10 inch smallie beat down. <laughs> you know, it didn't used to be that way. Um, but it, it, but it's cyclical. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ohio river cyclical. And, and so what it would happen is certain pools would be fishing good. Certain pools wouldn't a couple years later, it flip flops, vice versa. I mean, I, I took a buyer, the buyer of, um, it was, a, it's a sporting goods company. It's not around anymore. I think it was Adler's. Anyway, I took, I took a buyer out on the Ohio river in Steubenville and we had flood flood conditions and it was really dangerous. And they, you know, cautioned you, you, you probably shouldn't launch the boat, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was, it was busted. It was blown. And so I said, now nah, we're going to go. And, um, so I, I said, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're running up to the lock. The guy goes, we're locking through. I go, no, we're not locking through. We're going to fish behind the lock where the current has the big eddy. All those smallmouth that are out there, they're going to gravitate in there and we're going to, we're going to have a good day. And I was throwing a rebel deep. We are, Ooh. I mean, no, not Hold a deep. We are a, a rebel, uh deep. We craw the deep craw. Okay. Yeah. D 76. Yep. And um, we caught, a couple limits of smallmouth. You would have thought we were on Lake Erie. It was really? the, it was one of the best days I ever had. Biggins, like three pluses. Oh, yeah, every bit, every bit. And it was the one of the best days I ever had smallmouth fishing out there. And mm. and normally, see, in the beginning, we had spotted bass, good spotted bass in the river. Um, they waned, and the smallmouth kind of took over. But in the beginning, you literally won with spotted bass. I mean, that, that's what you, that's want. how it was when I fished Galconda back in the day. Yeah. You won with spots. Now you Southern can't. Illinois. Yeah. It was mainly yeah. a spotted bass deal. And, and you know, some of the Southern pools still have spotted bass in them. Um, but, but the Northern pools are way predominantly smallmouth. A lot of the large mouth spawning areas got silted in, <clears throat> um, bad spawning, the weed growth, um, unfortunately the, the weed growth is dependent on what kind of rains you get in the spring. Uh, if the, if the river's predominantly muddy, most of the spring, you don't get good weed growth. If the river's low and clear, you'll get really good main river grass growing and then things change. It gets really good then. Um, but it's cool. Would you rather have a drain in the back of a pocket or a deeper pocket without a drain? That's a really good question. So here's the, here's the thing. <clears throat> especially in the fall, okay? The deeper pockets with no drains in the back are really attractive to blueback herring and threadfin. It's very attractive because they don't do good in dirty, debris-filled water. Gizzard shed will run up the creek no matter how muddy it is, they could survive it. 
So if it's a gizzard shad lake, I'm probably going to look for one with a drain in the back. If it's a blueback herring lake, I'm probably going to look for the dead end, the, the steeper dead end ones, um, because the, it's the, the bluebacks uh, need the cleaner water. So that's going to depend on the fishery. But you should check them anyway, especially early fall, because the bait fish could suspend. They suspend literally right in the middle of the guts. And so that's a very important thing to know. So if you're fishing a smaller, deep gut, it's easier to find the bait fish because you just idle across the center of the gut and there they are. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, you got to it's a thinking game. I mean, it's a thinking game and you have to keep looking as fall progresses. The bite gets more predictable and becomes more bank relatable. So as fall progresses, fishing gets easy again. Uh, yeah. I won't say easy again, because you still got to find the bass, but it becomes more of a simpler approach. Manageable. Um, it's manageable. See the blowdown, fish the blowdown. See the rock, fish the rock. That kind of thing. Where when they're still suspending, and the guys, the guys that are good on forward-facing sonar are going to whoop your brains out if you're not accustomed to that, because it's easier to chase pelagics with forward-facing sonar, um, unfortunately. Uh, you know, when I when I was coming up, we didn't have anything of the sort. And so I had to get over the top of the bait balls with my 2D sonar. I spent a lot of time vertically on them. If it was a pocket that was manageable, a short gut manageable, then I can chuck my crankbaits down the center of it, um, which we used to do on Norman all the time when bluebacks were real prevalent. Um, we used to just run these shallow guts and throw crankbaits right down the middle of them and then you hit the one gut that's loaded and you pow, pow, pow. is this what you're talking about so this is one side of the creek this is 10 killer right here this is mm -hmm. uh one side of the creek there's a gut i've caught him in the middle of this gut before like all back in here where i'm 100 but <clears throat> this always stays clean it's right off the main lake but if you go up this creek right here it's got a terrapin creek in the back a shallow area catch them all around back here sometimes you get back here completely blown out Yep, that's exactly what I'm talking about, 100%. And that and that happens. And now, those are look how close those are together. Right, because one's dead end, one's got a feeder stream going in it. Mm -hmm. Um, just remember any any water flow that comes in, uh, you're predicated to um, color differences in the water based on weather conditions. Sometimes it's super clear back here, and you smash them. Sometimes it's chocolate milk you can catch a few largemouth on a blade and that yeah and that's about it mm -hmm. but that's and sometimes that's, there's bait all i mean it's just packed with bait and other yeah. times like i said it's cold nasty muddy water right and sometimes you'd be surprised sometimes a rattle bait could save the day in that muddy dirty water get on the flats and just crawl it on the bottom let it let it bang on the bottom we've done <laughs> really good doing that Give them something to, you know, hone in on. What else you got? I don't know, man. I, I, I tried to cover it quick. Did I go too quick? No. We got we got uh, 50 minutes in. Outstanding. We're man. an hour and 20 minutes in. I don't think we need to cut out. I mean, like I said, it's, it's industry news in the first half that just happened to break today. So hopefully... No, nah, we had to cover it, dude. I mean, you know what? At the end of the day, we all have a vested interest in this sport because yeah. it's, our, it's our sport. 
And so we have to cover it. We're going to all going to have opinions like here. I'll give you a quick example. I saw a piece somebody posted on Instagram, two anglers, one guy pulls up on the other guy and they're having words on the lake. And I made a comment in the, and I made a comment. My comment was nobody has the right to pull up on another angler ever. The reason they stagger boat flights is so that you go out at a different time. You have the, you have an opportunity to get somewhere first. If getting somewhere first means you don't have the right to that spot, then why stagger the flight? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You have to have, everyone has to have an equal opportunity. So I made a comment. My comment was accurate to my belief system. I found something out later because I, somebody responded to my comment. Um, I believe it might've been the guy that took the video, commented to my response and said, that so-and-so was there first and was leading the tournament. And then that guy pulled up on the spot on the final day, knowing the guy was leading the tournament there. I said, well, that's a different animal. If a guy's winning a tournament, you should not encroach on the guy. Mm -hmm. You should give him his due because he's leading the event. Um, so there's mitigating circumstances, you know, based on detail from my comment. Um, but I still believe that if a guy's fishing somewhere first, you don't pull up on the guy and fish next to him. That's a, that's crap. In my world, I never did that to anybody. And when people did it to me, they heard about it. Not later, right then and there, they heard about it. And so that's kind of how it goes. Um, ethics or ethics. If you talk to the dude, you, that's a different story. If you say, hey, dude, I've been there an hour after you left every day I was there or an hour before you got there every day I was there. And the guy said, well, I'll take it for the first time and then you can take it the rest of the time. You work it out. That's your business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there was a tournament on um, Norm and, and, and Ish. Well, Ish said he saw me fishing there, but I never saw him fishing anywhere. But um, he said, hey, you know the one spot that you were in? I said, yeah. He goes, I, I, need, to, I need to go in there. Can you let me have it? I said, well, here. I said, I'm going in at 11 o'clock like I did every day. I'm going in there at 11. So you either be done before 11 or you come after I'm done fishing it. But yeah, I don't care that you go in there. What am I going to say? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You're, I never saw you in there. So you didn't even have to tell me because I never even saw you in there. And we were both in contention, by the way. Um, but we talked about it beforehand. And so I'm like, yeah, whatever. Do whatever you got to do. It's on my milk run. If you're there before I get there, God bless you. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, what are you going to do? <clears throat> So, I mean, that's just how you, you got to work it out. You got to work through it. So, <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Anyway, I had to uh, <clears throat> not defend my position, but um, make it, make it a little clearer because there were some mitigating circumstances that uh, I did not know about until after. So there you have it. 
I have spoken. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, very eclectic and interesting day four. A lot of education that was mixed in there. We still, like I said, we're an hour and 30 minutes in, so we need to get a full, we got a full day four with the man Frank Scalish next Thursday. Uh, will be October 26th. We'll yes, you are, you are Thursday correct. And at 8.30 a.m. with back with another regular uh, day four with Frank Scalish. Yeah, hey, I might pull Todd in on that one for 15 okay. or 20 minutes. Okay. Tonight, uh, 8.30 p.m. Central Time, October 18th, Ben Milliken live. I haven't seen another interview that he's done since he qualified for the Elite Series. It might be his first interview since qualifying for the Bassmaster Elite Series. Yeah, I hope so. I'm I'm gonna be interested in watching that one. Um, I kind of like to hear what he has to mm-hmm. say and what his thoughts are. Surely we won't have a cease and desist for BTL by then, will we? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think we're good. I'd, I'd like to at least get that one in. Yeah, I think we're good. Nobody's nobody's feelings are going to be butthurt over it. <laughs> All we're talking about is what you know we're talking about. We were merely bloviating. <laughs> we were merely bloviating. All right, this has been another edition of Day 4 with the man Frank Scalish. We'll see everybody tomorrow. <laughs>